If you're gay, then you're gay. Don't pretend that you're straight. You could be who you are any day of the week. You are unlike the others, so strong and unique. We're all with you. If you're straight, well, that's great. You can help procreate and make gay little babies for the whole human race. Make a world we can live in where the one who you love's not an issue. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to IMRU Radio Magazine. The nation's longest running lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender radio show. Out front and out loud since 1974. I'm Wenzel Jones. I'm Abby Dees. And on Friday night, Steve Pride and I went to go see Boy From Oz, which just opened at the Celebration Theater. And tonight, in studio, we will have the director, Michael A. Shepard, and Miss Jessica Pennington, who has a Fabulous turn as Ms. Liza Minnelli. And I'm really excited because we're also going to be talking live in studio with some young activists who brought about a pretty historic change in their high school in South Central and then earned the wrath of the Westboro Baptist Church. But that's not the highlight of the story. It's what they did. And they were on the news again today. So there's going to be lots to catch up on. But first, here's the national and international news from This Way Out. I'm John Dyer V. And I'm Wendell Jones. With NewsRap, a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBT communities around the world for the week ending April 30th, 2016. Lesbian and gay couples can finally tie the knot in Colombia. The South American nation's constitutional court issued its final order on April 28th after paperwork delayed the implementation of its April 7th 6-3 ruling opening civil marriage to same-gender couples. They were only able to enter into civil unions before being allowed to legally march down the aisle this week. In an earlier lawsuit, the High Court ordered the nation's lawmakers to enact marriage equality legislation by June 20, 2013. They failed to meet that deadline, which automatically allowed gay and lesbian couples to get married. But they were required to have a notary or judge formally solemnize their commitment. Many judges and notaries refused. Four same-gender couples who were turned away filed the lawsuit that led to this week's finalized ruling. The High Court stated definitively that no judge or notary could legally refuse to marry a same-gender couple. The same justices lifted a ban on same-gender couples adopting children last November. Alberto Rojas Rios, the judge who wrote the marriage equality ruling, told the El Tiempo newspaper that it was in force now. He said that a civil marriage could be performed by a municipal judge, notary public, or any other public servant authorized to perform them. Colombia joins Argentina, Brazil, and Uruguay to open civil marriage to lesbian and gay couples in heavily Roman Catholic Latin America. Advances in a growing number of states are also hastening national marriage equality in Mexico. A 6-3 majority in the Legislative Council of the Isle of Man approved a marriage equality bill on its third and final reading on April 26th. 
The marriage and civil partnership amendment bill replaces the civil partnerships that have been available to lesbian and gay couples since 2011. They can now march down the aisle on the aisle. The self-governing British Crown dependency sits in the Irish Sea between England and Northern Ireland, and is home to about 86,000 people, and by some accounts, a lot more sheep. Chief Minister Alan Bell came out last year and confirmed a not-so-secret relationship of more than 21 years. It's a totally logical human right and a human expectation, he said, that straight couples and gay couples should be able to enjoy life with a partner that they choose. Lawmakers in the Faroe Islands voted 19 to 14 on April 29th to open civil marriage to their gay and lesbian couples. About 49,000 people called a self-governing series of volcanic islands in the Kingdom of Denmark home. They're located between Iceland and Norway in the North Atlantic Ocean. Denmark itself established marriage equality in 2012. Unlike their Danish brethren, however, the Faroe Islands law does not allow church weddings, which was the only way to get votes for the measure by members of various Christian parties. Australian Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull explained during an interview this week on Tasmanian radio station 7HOFM why he backed a non-binding national plebiscite on marriage equality rather than passing a marriage equality bill in Parliament. He said he was simply upholding the will of the coalition government that he inherited from former PM Tony Abbott. But he predicted, as happened in Ireland, that the public vote in Australia would be overwhelmingly supportive. I think it'll be a perfectly civil debate. I will be voting yes. I'll be voting to legalize same-sex marriage, and I think that the plebiscite will be carried. I think there will be a positive vote. The plebiscite is supposed to be held after the next federal election, but it's not at all clear when that will happen. Some observers say elections might not be called until as late as January 2017. But if the pro-LGBT opposition Labour Party outpolls Turnbull's Liberal National Coalition government in those elections, a simple parliamentary vote on equal marriage, with the help of the long support of Green Party, would almost certainly pass, thereby cancelling the planned plebiscite altogether. Elsewhere, an Egyptian court has sentenced 11 men to from three to 12 years in prison just for being gay. The 11 men were each convicted of debauchery and incitement to debauchery. Private consensual adult gay sex is not explicitly illegal under Egyptian law, but gay men are prosecuted under debauchery statutes, so authorities have a tool to harass and persecute them even without specific anti-gay laws. Three of the men were jailed for 12 years, three for nine years, one for six years, and four for three years. Dalia Abdel Hamid, director of the Gender Studies Program of the Egyptian Initiative for Personal Rights, told reporters that raids against the LGBTI community have become so common in Egypt that we have almost become accustomed to wait for them to arrive. A long-running crackdown on sexual minorities, especially in Cairo, has gotten worse. Police are using dating apps to lure gay men to their arrests and to raid saunas and underground bars and clubs. More than 80 people have reportedly been arrested so far this year for the crime of being gay. The global LGBT communities and its allies are reeling over the gruesome assassinations this week of Bangladeshi journalists and activists Julaz Manan and Tonoy Maboub by a gang of at least six Islamic fundamentalists. This report was posted on the Advocate website on April 26th. Al-Qaeda subsidiary Ansar al-Islam has claimed responsibility for the hacking death of two LGBT rights activists in Bangladesh. One of the victims was the editor of Rupan, the country's only LGBT magazine. A Twitter message was posted by the group claiming the attacks. 
The message said the two were killed because they were pioneers of practicing and promoting homosexuality in Bangladesh and were working day and night to promote homosexuality. The 39-year-old Manan, the editor of Rootban magazine, also worked for USAID, the U.S. government agency responsible for foreign aid. The 25-year-old Mahbub was a college student and also worked on the magazine. A third activist in Manan's Dhaka apartment reportedly survived the horrific assaults. The murders are the latest in a series of attacks against secular journalists, bloggers, and academics by radical Islamist groups in the South Asian nation. One anonymous for obvious reasons Bangladeshi blogger called Manan his country's Harvey Milk. According to the Pink News website, local police have detained two college students and claim to have found some important evidence in connection with the vicious murders. Some of the killers are believed to have posed as couriers to gain access to the building. In U.S. news this week, Tennessee's Republican Governor Bill Haslam signed a bill allowing counselors and therapists to refuse to serve clients based on sincerely held principles. An earlier version of the bill had allowed counselors to refuse service to patients based on religious belief, but it was amended to remove any direct reference to religion. Haslam said in a statement that, I believe it is reasonable to allow these professionals to determine if and when an individual would be better served by another counselor better suited to meet his or her needs. The American Counseling Association said the bill violates its code of ethics and, like similar measures promoting discrimination and so-called religious freedom across the country, clearly targets LGBT people. But the Family Action Council of Tennessee, which opposes LGBT rights and supported the bill, denied the allegation. In better news for sexual minorities, a religious freedom bill died in the Missouri legislature this week. Senate Joint Resolution 39 would have made it legal for clergy and vendors to decline to participate in a wedding involving a gay or lesbian couple. Because the vote was a 6-6 tie, it lost in the House Emerging Issues Committee on April 27th. Three Republicans joined the three Democratic members of the committee to scuttle the proposal. Minority Democrats staged the longest filibuster in state Senate history in March before the bill was advanced by that GOP-dominated chamber by a vote of 23-7. to 7. If it had passed both houses of the Missouri legislature, the measure would have gone on the ballot for a popular vote. And finally, in the capital of Mormon-majority Utah, the Salt Lake City Council voted unanimously on April 20th to rename a downtown street for gay martyr Harvey Milk. In 1977, Milk became the first openly gay person ever elected to public office in California. He'd only been a San Francisco supervisor for 11 months when he was brutally murdered by former supervisor Dan White. A stretch of 900 South in Salt Lake City is now officially Harvey Milk Boulevard. The global headquarters of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is just a few miles down the road. The LGBT rights group Equality Utah, which lobbied the council for the name change, has launched a campaign to raise the $7,000 to $9,000 that'll be needed for the new Harvey Milk Boulevard street signs. Every gay person must come out. As difficult as it is, you must tell your immediate family, you must tell your relatives, You must tell your friends, if indeed they are your friends. You must tell your neighbors. You must tell the people you work with. You must tell the people in the stores you shop in. And once you do, you will feel so much better. That's News Wrap for the week ending April 30th, 2016. Produced by Steve Pride, written by Greg Gordon, and recorded at the studios of KPFK Los Angeles. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community. 
News Wrap from This Way Out is brought to you by you. Help keep us on the air and in your ears at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast. For This Way Out, I'm John Dyer V. And I'm Wenzel Jones. Remember, you can hear all 30 commercial-free minutes of This Way Out on the podcast at thiswayout.org and on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And what wondrous thing sits directly before us tonight, Abby? Why, it is from the Celebration Theater production, A Boy From Oz, The Peter Allen Story, Michael Shepard, the director. Welcome, Michael. Thank you for having me. And Jessica Pennington, who turns in an amazing performance, is Liza Minnelli. Hello. Hello. Thank Liza, you for Liza, having Liza. us. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, but just to begin, Michael, would you please explain to people what a wondrous treasure Celebration Theater is for our community? Well, Celebration Theater is the oldest continuously producing lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgendered, queer, questioning, intersex, two-spirited, cisgendered, allied theater in the country. And you are the co-artistic director. And I'm the co-artistic director of that of this amazing place, uh, along with uh, Michael Matthews. And we are now entering our 34th season. And I was three. When <laughs> um um, so, and we're just very excited that we get to do the West Coast premiere of The Boy From Oz. Here, here. It's been quite a journey to put this show on its feet in um, what seems like a California king-size bed. It is not a very big stage, and it is a very big show. It's a very big show. Now, how, how did you turn, because I, as I understand it, when it was on Broadway, it was Oh, chorus boys, gigantic! It, yes, huge. It was, it was craziness. So, was, how do we reduce that to pocket size? And yet, the energy and the verve—it's all still there. Uh, yeah. Well, I hope it's still there. I, I mean, I, I am, I can't look at it mm-hmm. because I, I see what I may have missed or what I've done. Mm-hmm. I now, so I just sort of walked away and just went. This amazing cast and crew will be able to handle it and take care of it and raise my child beautifully. I hope. <laughs> Um, but it was a very hard thing. I mean, um, when you look at the script and you realize, and I had the, I was lucky enough to see the show in New York with Hugh Jackman. Mm-hmm. And when I was originally read the script that was sent to me, I realized I don't remember most of it. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't remember that scene or I don't remember that mm-hmm. because it was a lot about the you know, spectacle of right. that is Hugh Jackman and right. he was brilliant. And so in reading this, in reading it, I realized I just have to tell the story about love about his love of music, about the mm-hmm. love of the women in his life, about his love of his man in his life and the love that he had for his mother. It's all about love and really boiling it all down to what that means to him and trying to put that on the stage. You simplified it. You made it what the truth is of his existence, not just the spectacle, spectacle of him as a performing artist. Well. I urge you all to come see it, and then you can send. You, know, <laughs> you can come and question me if you don't believe that. Just buy tickets and come see it. Well, now, one of the interesting things about it, um, Peter Allen looked nothing like Hugh Jackman, and he looks nothing like the lead you, you have playing here. But it really doesn't matter because Peter Allen was long enough ago. A lot of people don't remember what he actually looked like. However, as Liza Minnelli, she is still very much among us. And yes, how she do is. you even begin to be a person that we are? Very familiar with. How do you even begin? Well, uh, Michael and I spoke, you know, at length about not wanting to do an impersonation, mm-hmm. but wanting to do a an organic character, the Liza that is in this story. And she ages from 18 
to 46 in the show. We should explain that Liza marries Peter Allen to you kids out there who don't know that part. Yes, uh, Peter Allen was her first husband. Mm -hmm. And... uh, and, and she married him at... And she continued that trend of marrying <laughs> him. Make <laughs> sense. It was sort of a family thing, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, her mother was Judy Garland. For you, those youngsters out there who don't know that. And if you don't, you're not doing your homework. And who's Thank Judy you. Garland? No. Oh. oh, don't say that, Abby. Um. But no, it was, but it's such an interesting thing that you were doing up there. And I was just wondering how, how much homework did you have to put into that? So, well, pr- put it this way. The cast calls me Har- Hermione Granger because of my <laughs> homework. Um, she, Jessica, would come into rehearsals and she would say, you realize that that was 1968 when that happened, not 1969. So we need to go back to this because at 1969, she would walk into this place and she would do this. I'd be like... Where did you even find this? <laughs> That's how much, you know, the research. And she just, she would just would pour over all this material. And I was just like, I would just watch her. And it was sort of this amazing feat to watch her do this and dive in just so effortlessly and, you know, without hesitation that I need to, you know, do the job that the director is asking me to do. Even some things I wasn't even asking her to do, she would just do it. So it was amazing. I'm sorry, no, you It was very important to me to honor the humanity of this woman as opposed to just the showbiz that we know. Where did she come from? Who is she? Why? Why? What is her need? Where does it come from? And she's nothing if not unmet needs. (laughs) You think? Thank you. Yeah. Now, um, and, we, and I'm sorry you couldn't be here tonight, but we must discuss for a moment uh, your marvelous lead, Andrew. Now, is it Buongiorno? Please. Buongiorno. Buongiorno. He's magnificent. Oh. Yes. He's, he's he. just a dynamite. Well, dynamite. He is dynamite. He's extraordinary. He's extraordinary. <laughs> so moving on from him, back to you. <laughs> so as the director, though, when when you've got uh, Jessica doing a character like Liza Minnelli, did you get to points where you had to say, ooh, can we bring that back in just a little bit? Because it must be so tempting to just, everybody's got a Liza impersonation. It's like Carol Channing. It's like, we've all got one. Honestly, Jessica approached it from so much truth mm-hmm. that it just wasn't totally necessary to do that. I mean, there are moments where it's like, you know, okay, I need to, need to uh, sort of pare it back down here. This moment needs to last a little bit longer. Those type of things, just normal things that you just give a director, notes a director would just give. But, you know, I was very clear to all three of the leads, uh, those portraying Peter Allen, Liza Bonelli, and Judy Garland, I just don't want an impersonation. Mm-hmm. I'm very clear on that, that we have to tell the truth of their story that is, that is written within this script because that's what we have to go on. We can't go on anything else but this script and what these words are. And, I mean, you've gotten great reviews so far. You've just opened. But how do you feel about presenting somebody who may not be that familiar to the audience at all? I mean, I know who Peter Allen is, but I'm old. You know, but you look great. Thank mm-hmm. you. That's the ma- the magic of radio. But I mean, what is it you're trying to convey to the audience? Because just knowing the name Peter Allen isn't going to help a lot of people. I mean, we know Judy Garland. We know Liza Minnelli. Well, but... luckily, like most songwriters, and as corny as it might sound, his songs are eternal. I mean, even if the kids aren't that familiar with mm. them, they've crossed paths with it somewhere in their musical history. I mean, he has huge hits. So that helps. And as as for a jukebox musical, it it really it, it uses the lyrics quite well to to you know propel the story. 
I mean, that's interesting that you call it a jukebox, mu- uh, jukebox musical because I didn't think of it that way at all. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Usually I'm, I'm very aware of the fact it's a song. It's a song. It's a song. We're barely stirring them together. But no, there was a real story being told there. Yeah. His, all, his, all his songs tell a story, mm. um, particularly in this show. But just if you just sit down and listen to the words and anything he's basically wrote, it's like he was a storyteller, mm-hmm. first and foremost. And so even just going through the song lyrics for myself, and just like you would just see how they would just really push the story along. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't as if there's a couple places where I, I, I do say this now, you know, and I apologize for anyone who thinks differently, but there are a couple songs that would I went, oh, you probably could have left those out. Those two <laughs> songs you probably could have just left out. Which ones? I won't say which <laughs> one. Right. He wrote a lot of ballads. He wrote a lot of ballads. Yeah. And a lot of ballads. while they're beautiful, yeah. sometimes you go, I had to figure out a way to make them not repetitive. Mm-hmm. Which that, is one of Michael's twists on it. Michael really took advantage of the intimate space, the mm-hmm. postage, postage stamp mm-hmm. size space. And California King. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And the 12-member cast. Mm-hmm. And he really took advantage of that mm-hmm. to tell the story. That's actually one thing I wanted to ask you is, you know, you saw this before. You've got this image of this in your head. How do you make that adjustment to what you've got? And how do you make it unique? Um, well, I saw it. It was 13 years ago when I saw it. And I've done lots of drugs and alcohol since then. Okay. So a lot of those memories are actually gone. <laughs> um, so Well played. I, I, you know, I got to start a little bit from scratch. Um, and and uh, it was just, it, it, I have a, I, my brain works differently than most people's. Um, and, I, and I would look at this and I would go, huh, this, it's just, it's just this beautiful love story. And you, you know, when you t- uh, handle a love story, you take it from, that core, the core base of what it is, which is he and his music. And then I just started building from there. And once I realized what the confines of my space were, I knew that if it weren't, if it, if I weren't handling this story in complete and total honesty, no one was going to buy it, you know, and then you might as well just do splash and glitz and try to, you know, put lipstick on the pig and make it as pretty as possible. And I just didn't want to do that. Which goes back to, to, to your question about how if people don't know who Peter mm-hmm. Allen is, Andrew, our lead, is so personable but honest mm-hmm. and truthful mm-hmm. and completely open to, the, to mm-hmm. the audience that it doesn't matter if they don't know who Peter right. Allen is, quotation right. marks. Yeah. They're learning who this Peter Allen is. And one of the things in doing the research on Peter Allen, looking at the videos of him, and knowing that there was not a true similarity between Andrew and Peter, mm-hmm. one of the things that is truly similar is they're both so completely charismatic. Right. Mm-hmm. And that sort of was the essence. I, you yeah. needed someone that yeah. people would go, oh, I really like you. Sometimes you're a complete jerk, but I really like you. And to so. those of you asking, well, what happened to Peter Allen? Um, we lost him to AIDS in 92. Yes. And anyway, um, Jessica and I were talking earlier because she has to sort of explain to the younger members of the cast what it was like to have gone through the 80s in that period because it's just not – I mean, it's, it's bad, but it's not, not as same. bad. No, it's not the same at all. I, I just – sometimes I feel that the younger generation doesn't – they well, maybe and maybe nor should they, but they didn't. They don't know what we went through in the eighties and nineties. Someone and... said, "I didn't know about this until I learned it in my queer study class." Oh wow! And That's amazing. it was just, 
and having lived through every single moment from the first case of grid to you know to when it was yeah. it became AIDS and then HIV and then you know and going through the entire state of all that you know it was crazy you know i was a teenager in the in the late 80s and that was my sexual revolution. Mm. Yeah. I didn't get yeah. any time of yeah. free love. My yeah. life was always about yeah. either safe sex or death. And so to see these incredible kids now not practicing safe sex because they're either on, on prep. prep or yeah. they just don't know. Yeah. It, it, I feel, you know, I when some of the kids share their sexual exploits with me and I will say, well, were you safe? They look at me like I'm their mother and, yeah. and I don't mind that. <laughs> As they will. Now, if you'd like to yeah. go see this show, you can go to celebrationtheater.com. That's the fancy spelling of theater. And if you use the discount code RAINBOW, what kind of a discount is that, Michael? 10% off tickets. 10% off but tickets. But guess what? What? I have something else. No. What? What? If you call in, I can get you two. Yes, I said two tickets to any performance in May of The Boy From Oz. Are you saying if they call 818-985-5735, we can give away a pair, one single pair of tickets? What I'm saying is that if they call 818-985-5735, they will get one pair of tickets. My one goodness. lucky winner will get a pair of tickets. You are too, too generous. Oh, you know what? That's what every man in L.A. says. <laughs> <laughs> Were you safe? So just mom. <laughs> what what do you want people to take away from your performance of the show as as opposed to the show as a whole? Oh. Well, it's not to overuse the word but that that somehow I've touched the humanity of this person mm. and this extraordinary journey. I mean, regardless if you only know the Liza Minnelli from mm. 2000 or even the 90s in some of her heyday, this woman paid her dues. She left home at 15. She did an off-Broadway musical at 16. She, she wanted this. She wanted to sing and sing for people. And the amount of time and effort, there's the saying about 10,000 hours. Yeah. And she, yeah. she did her 10, she did 20,000 plus, you know? It's just so, I have so much respect for her as an artist. Well, and we didn't even have time to discuss the mother-daughter dynamic, which was... <laughs> Very well thought through, I thought. Oh, good. And and Michael? Um, I would just like people in Los Angeles to support Los Angeles theater, live theater. Absolutely. That's all I want, whether it's preferably 99-seat theater, hashtag pro99. <laughs> also, uh, just uh, support Los Angeles theater. I would love it to be Celebration Theater, but also Antias and... Um, Rogue Machine. Rogue Machine and... Sacred uh, Fools. All, those, all these children out there um, that need support. That PRT. just don't get it from, you know, ticket sales alone. They have, you know, I need your, we need your support. Because so we do you. have some great theater in L.A. We have some amazing theater in L.A. Yeah. Comparable yeah. to any other city in the world. And this is a game changer for Celebration. I mean, you've really raised the bar. What's what's coming up next? Oh, we're, we can't announce the season yet. Oh. But I can <laughs> say this. I think it's going to be a drag. Okay. <laughs> How's that for a subtle hint? Hmm. Smooth, suave, as they say. Well, thank you two so much for coming, and we never have enough time to discuss the show, but no. we do our best. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us, thank you so much for the message that IMR Youth does. Thank, thank you for you. that. Thank you. And where else would you get to hear such amazing people? On, oh, I, I think don't know. Maybe IMR Youth. Maybe here on KPFK. And you know, you can, for a mere $25, become a member of KPFK. So just go to the website, kpfk.org, and you can... 
become a member of KPFK and keep this sort of programming coming in. And, oh, look. Oh, Liliana Diaz is the winner of, of the tickets. The tickets. Yay! Liliana, you are so lucky. I'm not kidding. You're going to love this show. It's a great night out. It is terrific. So anyway. And remember Rainbow. Rainbow, Rainbow is the discount code if you go to the celebrationtheater.org website. Uh, celebrationtheater.com. Dot com. Okay. <laughs> yeah. well, thank you all so much. Thank you. And still to come, members of the Gay Straight Alliance at the Santee Education Complex are going to be here with their faculty advisor in studio talking about what they just did. And we'll be right back. What a doll. Coming up now on the Rainbow Minute. Said to be the world's first gay doll, Gay Bob joined the world of straight toys in 1977. Inventor Harvey Rosenberg of New York made 10,000 of the dolls and sold them through mail order ads. Gay Bob stood 12 inches tall, was anatomically correct, and had frocked blonde hair and gorgeous blue eyes. He also wore a neck chain, an earring, and an over-the-shoulder satchel bag. While a few dolls of the time were closeted, Gay Bob came with a closet box, so he could step out of the closet with pride. Today, Gay Bob is a collector's item worth as much as $100 in mint condition. Gay Bob was eventually joined on the toy shelf by Boy George as well as Gay Billy, the UK's first openly gay doll. The Rainbow Minute is produced by Judd Proctor and Brian Burns and recorded in the studios at WRIR in Richmond, Virginia and read by volunteers like me, John DeBoer. Hello, I'm Dennis Shepard, Matthew Shepard's father. And you're listening to IMRU Radio Magazine on KPFK-FM, 90.7 Los Angeles, 98.7 Santa Barbara, 99.5 Ridgecrest, China Lake, 93.7 San Diego, or streaming online at kpfk.org.
Welcome back. You're listening to IMRU Radio. I'm Abby Dees. And I'm Wenzel Jones. Well, last month, the first LAUSD school with a gender-neutral bathroom was the Santee Education Complex. And that didn't just happen. That happened because students from the Gay-Straight Alliance made it happen. And those students, well... Some of those students are here in the studio with us, and I am so proud of you guys. I really want to hear how this came about and the stuff that happened that you weren't expecting, some of it that made in the news, and all this stuff. But first, I'd actually like to go around and have you introduce yourselves, if we could start with you, Queen. Oh, hi. My name is Queen, and I'm 17 years old. And I'm African-American and proud. Black is beautiful, you know. <laughs> and I go to Santee Education Complex, and I was one of the leaders of this campaign. All right. My name is Monique Garcia, a junior at Santee. I'm also 17 years old and also one of the leaders that helped lead the campaign. My name is Alonso. I am 16, and I do go to Santee, and I am also a member and a co-founder of the GSA. My name is Juliet. I am a 10th grader. I am 15, the youngest one, <laughs> and I'm also a leader at GSA. Okay, so this thing started. So the bathroom opened about two weeks ago, three weeks ago? Yes, yeah. yes. two weeks ago. And it's just a gender-neutral bathroom. Mm-hmm. But this whole campaign started in January, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. when it started. So what prompted this campaign? What started this off for you guys? It kind of just started on a, off a piece of paper. We were just in our GSA meeting, like, okay, what are some things that we can do for this year? Like, what are, like, talking about fundraising that we got on, like, the topic of, like, what's, like, the different types of things that, like, we feel, like, oppressing us, like, making us feel, like, uh, and, I was, and then <laughs> the restrooms like came up a lot. It was like constantly like, oh, the restrooms like this happened, this that, and all this extra stuff happened. Then the idea came up, okay, let's make a gender neutral restroom. And I was just like, I'm down, like, <laughs> like yeah, let's do it. And then it really just started from a piece of paper, and that's where it began. Now, didn't uh, Alonso? Didn't something happen to you that specifically instigated this whole thing too? Um, them? Yes, it's basically well at at school. I'm currently right now transitioning. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really difficult for me in public in general wise. Um, you know, it's really difficult to either like go to the girls' restroom. Well, I'm bi- I was biologically born as a girl, mm-hmm. and you know, currently transitioning. I you know, I get this well. I just think, you know, which restroom do I go to? You know, mm-hmm. I'm not fully transitioned. You know, I'm currently transitioning. And this restroom, you know, helps benefit, you mm-hmm. know, for all of us. But now you wanted to use the girls' bathroom in the school and you were denied by the janitor. But off school grounds, you used the men's bathroom, right? Because yes. the janitor perceived you to be a boy. Um, no, that that's not. Well, yeah, they, um, the janitor um, questioned about my gender. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, well, at school, yes, I did use the girls' restroom because, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody, as I, you know, I've been attending Santee for since ninth grade. Right. And I'm in 11th grade. So everybody knew me as a girl already. Right. So I didn't want them to feel uncomfortable right. and seeing me going to the boys' restroom. Okay, that makes sense now. And that's such an illustration it of is. exactly why these bathroom bills are so nutty is for a situation like yours, because it sounds like you really actually have had to give a lot of thought to, you know, how are people comfortable, what bathroom you're using, and that kind of thing, which seems <laughs> like a lot for a young person to be dealing with, you know, when, you know, other people don't have to, like, think about it. Um, so what did you guys do? What did you do to start this campaign? So throughout the campaign, we did over 20 classroom presentations. We spoke to our teachers and staff about the gender neutral restrooms and how they felt about it. We presented to our school site council. We collected over 700 plus signatures from our students and some staff. And we made our poster campaign of It's Just a Toilet, and that was posted all over campus and on social media. Yeah, I've seen the, that's gone viral. It's just the idea, it's just a toilet. But international. (laughs) Who, Who came up with that? 
um, I don't want to take credit, but I mean, one day me, Julia, and Queen were at my house, and we were making posters, and we were like, what should we put on the posters? And we were kind of like going off of like how people were being negative about it, and I was like, you know what? At the end of the day, it's, it's just, just a toilet. toilet. Yeah. <laughs> so it just kind of like that's how it like kind of started about. <laughs> and speaking of just a toilet, I I must say from the pictures I've seen, it is a fabulous toilet. <laughs> yes, it's, it's very cool. nice. It's not like any high school toilet I ever had. <laughs> Did you get pushback? Did you get people saying, like, what are you doing? Or this is going to cause problems? Or, like, what happened? Well, the students were really, like, supportive. They were just, like, but they just they just wanted to know, like, what's a gender-neutral restroom? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we just had to, you know, tell them what it was. And they were all, all okay with it. It's just, like, everyone's okay with it. It's just the toilet. Yeah. And faculty? Um, they, were, they were just questioning and why we needed them. And... And the safety. And the safety, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we're also here with Mr. Lada, who is the GSA advisor. And I'm wondering, so were were you involved in this, Mr. Lada? Well, I played an advisory role. It was all the students. The students thought of the theme. The students thought of the posters. The students did all the work. I was just guiding them as uh, somebody who uh, is uh, very active in the social justice community, a social justice educator. I felt that it was important to not to advocate, empower, and develop student leaders, or like I like to call them scholars warriors and that's what these young <laughs> young adults are scholar warriors they're uh, warriors for fight for justice but scholars because they're all going to be going to college and becoming the next leaders that we need to uh, really take us to the next steps of the movement so um, there a lot of staff members were very supportive I personally talked to a lot of staff members um, talked to a lot of the parents when, when need be um, we developed the campaign the students had never ran a campaign like this before we've done some awareness things like day of silence and national coming out days and other activities like that on campus but this is where we actually had like a, a specific target specific goals um, a strategic plan to really roll out and the students were really nervous there was a point in time during the campaign where the students were like, is this really going to happen, Laura? I'm, we're not mm-hmm. sure about this. Uh, and I told them, have faith. Keep on going. Keep on pushing. Don't don't, don't give up. Um, we're going to continue different, doing different types of actions um, until um, we get full support. And I think the table churned once um, the students were able to gather over 700 signatures, which was um, basically the majority of the students who said, we're on board with this. We want this. This is something good. And I believe if we would have continued the campaign longer, we would have gotten even more signatures. Now, um, this is the only gender-neutral bathroom in, in the entire LAUSD. Correct. So what do you think it is about the environment at Santee that made it happen there first? And sure. So uh, just to speak on that, um, about two years ago, um, there were some students getting bullied on campus. Um, there were male cheerleaders that was finding it really hard to change. Um, so uh, they, they, would, they would have to change in the, the coach's locker room um, office because they were getting bullied. So we said we had to do something about it. So I wrote a small grant to the California Teachers Association, and we gave us a small seed grant to help start up our very first GSA. Um, some of the students here helped found that first GSA. And so we've been working on changing the campus culture and climate. And I want to say that in the past two years, uh, the campus, our campus has completely changed. I mean, you'll, you see students with rainbow shirts walking around. You see, I mean, it's it's totally a totally acceptable place to be at. Um, totally, not just acceptable, but like full inclusion. Like it, there's, it's not a big deal for the majority of staff and students. I mean, occasionally you'll still hear the that's so gay comment and things like that. 
and then everything's a work in progress. Um, but it is a it is a, an affirming place to be at for the young students. Mm-hmm. So we thought it, it was time when I talked to students to um, go beyond just be cre- just being creating awareness campaigns and to really changing policies and to ignite what one of the students called the toilet revolution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and how large is the student body there? It's like one thousand two hundred students. Wow. Is is I feel like. The reason why Santi is like such a like safe space is because like they're it's like they're educated, you know, like when they knew what everything was, it was just like, oh, okay, that's not a big deal. Like that's how like the students took it. Like it's not a big deal. Let them do what they want to do. So I feel like if you educate people, it can like bring out a different perspective on everything. And where is Santi for people who don't know where it is? (laughs) It's in down, yeah, like in between downtown and South Central. It's on Twenty Third and Maple. (laughs) <laughs> well done. Well done. Okay, so the principal supported you. You got us a lot of support from the faculty. Uh, did you get support from parents? Did you have parents who had any concerns, or was that an issue? So we had various parents that had mixed feelings about it. And, and uh, But, however, once, I believe it's just about education. Yeah. And once the, we, we talked to the parents, we informed them that there was a safety plan. The majority of the parents were saying that they're worried about student safety. They're worried yeah. about that if you have males and females, um, in the same restroom that um, the males will start attacking the females or taking pictures or sexual harassment will occur or rape or or um, what's it called? Even consensual sex, right? Yes. <laughs> Happening in the restroom. Um, so it would be consensual. But um, once we gave them the safety plan, we have a, a, a text-a-tip program on our campus where students kind of like report things that are going on. We have um, regular, we were the place, the restroom was actually strategic for a couple reasons. Um, number one, um, on some campuses where they have a, you know, um, a certain you know restrooms um, for the non-gender specific restrooms. Sometimes they'll be you know in a corner of the, of the of the school or in the nurse's office or something like that. The restroom that the multi-stall gender-neutral restroom that we have out of Santee, which is what makes it's what really makes it unique, is right in the center of campus. Like it's right yeah. there, um, which serves two purposes. Number one, um, that it tells all students that. Um, that students, that this restroom is for all students, regardless of gender and gender identity. You don't um, have to, like, like scuttle into some, you know, office right, or something. Right, exactly. Yeah. And number two, it makes it very safe because that's a place where there's adults around and we, we walk yeah. by there all the time. They could just pop in at any time and the students know that. But um, I think the credit goes to the students because the students have really been the ones that have been, you know, making sure going in there and saying, hey, mm-hmm. no funny business, no huh. paper on the floor. want to keep this restroom clean. Pick it up. <laughs> All right. So you did this. This happened. And then you got a whole bunch of protesters with lots of signs and stuff. This was a couple of weeks ago. And you even got the Westboro Baptist Church. Yeah, they even came back today. Yeah, they came but, back but today. Then they, they started speaking about, like, immigration and stuff. And that don't got nothing to do with the <laughs> restaurants. So that was... It, yeah. That was some just that was just some in hate that they just wanted to release. But so out. what happened? Like, what did you think when when this stuff started happening in front of your school? Well, I was I was I was coming out from band practice and I was walking out there. I'm gonna go to Greece rehearsals. This is and it. And like my friend, um, she came up to me and she was like, "Did you see the pro- Did you hear about the protests outside, girl? What what protests are you talking about? What are you talking about?" And then she told me something. I ran outside and I just saw everything. And then I started crying because it was like so many emotions just like like hit me all at once. Like, why are they out here? This is not a big deal. This is not their school. And so many things hit me. And it's just like I was so disappointed because it's like you're like a grown adult, first of all, and we are kids. Like, let's just get that out the way. Second of all, it was a Latino, African American, and Caucasian person. The only time like those races come together is like to hate on something else. Like that that really hurt me. Like y'all can't come together to fight 
somebody back against Trump or something. I don't know. And, <laughs> and it was so crazy. And I was just like, I was like so hurt. And like, I, I went to go find like uh, Monique and Juliet and Lonzo and like um, like Johnny and uh, uh, um, all the, and Maria, like all the people that was, like had something to do with the campaign because their faces are out there and I don't want them to get hurt. And it was just like, I was really hurt because it's like they, they, they didn't see it from our point of view. Like you not walking these hallways you not sitting in these classrooms and you're not using these restrooms. So why are you chipping off of it? Like it's not like you're using them. Like it's not hurting nobody. Mm-hmm. We're just using the bathroom. It's just the toilet. And you then this happened together. again. I'm sorry, but, but it happened again today. <laughs> yeah. 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 But you know, Alonzo, you you were saying did you wanted to say something about yeah, that? I, I just sorry. I just want to add on to um what Queen had to say. I mean, it's really. I mean, I believe like yes, the First Amendment. Everybody has to. Everybody has the right to say something. But I believe it's really inappropriate of how they say it in yeah. front of like. A camp, well, not on on the campus, but I mean in an area where you have, the, I mean you have teenagers. I mean yeah. they're thirty to forty year old grown ass men. Yeah. Um, if they want to make a statement, they should go to the LAUSD district. Yeah. They should go mm. to like the city hall, not make a whole chaos um, for a YouTube video they want to yeah. put up. Yeah. I mean there's just like today, um, it was just literally off topic. It wasn't even about the restroom. It wasn't right. even about the anti gays. They were literally um, discriminating about you know they literally quoted um saying oh all of you guys their parents are illegal immigrants and it really really disturbed right. all of us and it was one through five seconds of fame yeah <laughs> and it was so crazy because afterward one of the preachers which is caucasian he had the audacity to say they only attacked me because i was white Oh, okay. I'm just gonna let that be and just okay. Keep it but pushing. you mentioned you mentioned the attack, so this did get violent, and yeah. and p- students did react. Yeah. Um, what did you think of that? Um, I thought that it didn't have to. I didn't escalate think that it. Way. Yeah, it didn't have to escalate that way. But you know, it. We are teenagers. We're not. We are humans. I mean, it's adrenaline. It, it, like it ha- you can't. Like, it happened, and it shouldn't happen that way. But it like. Sh- we're against violence, but yeah. it sh- it shouldn't have happened that way. But it did, and it showed us that like yeah. low key, Santi is all together, yeah. and we're always, you know, it, it's never been like Santi ever advocated for violence, violence because we don't. But it's like I know the situation was bad, like I understand that. But the fact that like students before, because they just caught the fight, they didn't catch like before that when they was chanting like like yeah, go GSA, this is net, yeah, like love yeah. wins, this is net. But I just saw like how Santi like stood in resilience, like in strength, like that just showed me like don't come mess with. Santee and like in our campus they stood and like together and like that's what we needed like and and like for so long it's like it's like the school was divided at some point I guess and like for so long they standing like against each other but now they were standing together and it was just like unity do you think there was an upside to this when this happened I mean did this kind of create that sense that Queen's talking about that like it actually brought people yeah it brought the students together and um I was happy to see that but like Like remember, like on the first day, um, there was like when the first when the protesters first came, I was surprised that no one went, was going home. I saw everybody out there. I saw the students who were questioning about um the gen. They weren't just wanting to be informative. They were just wanting to um be informative about the gender neutral restrooms. Those same students stood out there, um, outside of school with us on the day where the protest um got violent. And, and did, I'm sorry. Speak. <laughs> and then the next day, um, we had a rally. Not we didn't um host it. Uh, but some other organizations, organizations came, and you know we had like hundreds of students and like yeah. adults out there with like with us, and they were just like standing in resilience. That was yeah. the Union del Barrio. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and which is really kind of a community organization, yes. yeah. and they they supported you guys. Yeah. Did that surprise you? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I love your confidence. I mean, it surprised us that the whole community came out to support us. But, I mean, we kind of knew that they were going to come out and help us because 
GSA, we kind of advocate to other organizations. Mm -hmm. So we have, like, a lot of supporters. And when we told them that this had happened and that they had saw what happened, they're like, okay, we have your back. We're going to be there for you guys. They were there the next day. For real? So crazy. We we went to a student council meeting for something and they was like they, they were, as soon as they saw us they was like dad we see what happened like we making a support rally right now and I, all I know I'm tagged in this event on Facebook with like 300 <laughs> people saying I'm coming y'all all coming to Santa oh my god like right. uh, and then when I walked outside I just saw the, like the streets packed I was like, this is what I fight for. This. It was so nice. And I just want to just jump in and say, uh, just for the viewers who, who are out there, just to visualize, you know, when the when the, when the hate the hate speeches came in, and um, there was just three grown men out there with signs and a large bullhorn. Um, the next day when various community-based organizations, Union del Barrio, um, the Latino Equity Alliance, GSA the Network. GSA Network, and various groups came out in support, um, there was hundreds of people out there waving yeah. rainbow flags, yeah. you know, talking about pride chanting, um, you know, really an empowering events for the, the community around Santee that uh, really came together. And the students went up there, took the mic and said, thank you for organizing this. We'll take over from here <laughs> and led the rally from there. And it was a beautiful thing to see all the, the flags out there in South L.A. where, quite frankly, I mean, typically you wouldn't expect yeah. something really? like this to happen. It goes against stereotypes. Absolutely. Yeah. And to have these black and brown youth really advocating in this way is absolutely Absolutely beautiful. We flipped it on them. All right. <laughs> we did. Well, no, just, just so I can get my head around it, the Gay Straight Alliance, how many members do you have? Because I come from an age where that didn't exist. No. That was way in the future. Um, we go from like 20 to 25 students. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for our meetings. That's great. And did you imagine it would get so huge? Um, like, in the beginning of the semester, it was, like, up to 40 students, and, like, slowly because of, like, activities and stuff, right. it gets a little, like, the numbers change up a little bit. Right. But definitely for the whole, like, almost the whole student body to be mm. out there that day that we did our, um, like, our peace rally, mm. it was just, like, wow. Like, even if these students don't come to our GSA meetings, mm. the fact that they're there having our backs and supporting us means a lot. So what did you learn from this that you didn't know when you started this It's Just a Bathroom <laughs> movement. I learned that running a campaign is hard mm. as hell, and I'm not even trying to. I'm not even trying to be like. Is ex- this it for you as an activist? <laughs> yeah, it's like it was so crazy. It was like I, I was on this emotional roller coaster, like going through like the emotions, like am I gonna get it? Am I gonna get the restroom? Like what's gonna happen? But then I also learned like how to use my voice. Like for so I feel like youth nowadays feel like that they're like. They belittled a lot. So it's like their voices, like they feel like their voice is not going to be heard anyway. So like why even try? But like doing this campaign showed me like I got a voice. I should use it because clearly look what happened when I do use it. Look at the like the the um, outcome of when I do use my voice. So I just like want this like whole domino effect with this Jenny Lucha restroom. Like not even just a toilet revolution, but like kids all around LSUSD to like stand up and be like, if something in your school is like oppressing you or you don't like something, you want to change it, say something. It might change. It might, like, something might be, like, changed about it. So all the kids out there, my homies, <laughs> speak up. Use your voice because it matters. Um, not only that, but i like to add on also about unity and the youth. Yeah. I mean, we are in the 21st century. This is a new generation, which I like to call the new youth. Uh, yes, you know, we are some teenagers, but regardless of age, race, and background, we have power. You know, it's just a matter of fact of organizing and coming together. And we do come together. You know, you could, every, everything's possible, you know. Mm-hmm. And Monique? 
What did you learn? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel like it kind of made all of us as an individual, if I could speak for myself, like, grow as a leader and teach us how to, like, be, like how Queen said, like, be organized and just teach us how to be, like, strategic. And then, like, even with our social media, like, we got a lot of hate comments and stuff. Like, people were tagging us in some, like, really things that we shouldn't be seeing as (laughs) children. But um, it just taught us to, like, kind of, you know, shrug it off your shoulder and just keep it pushing and just be strong. And our youngest member, Julia. <laughs> well, it showed me how resilient I could be. Like, yeah. no one's going to stop me. Like, <laughs> at the end of the day, no one's going to stop me from doing what I want, what what we need. I don't know. It showed me how to be a better leader. It showed me, I don't know. It, showed, it gave me confidence. It showed me, like, with help from, like, an adult or any, or your friends. You can, you can make stuff anything. happen. Yeah. yeah. You know, you guys, you really are inspiring. And I got to say, I hear your voices. I want to keep hearing your voices. It's people like you that are going to, like, bring this home. <laughs> and so keep doing it. Thank you. And keep us posted. Um, thank you. Yeah. Thank so, you for having us. Oh, thank you for coming. <laughs> Juliet, Queen, Monique, Alonso, and Mr. Lada from the GSA at yes. Santee Education Complex. Thank you so much. Thank you. And, and if you like programming like the show you've heard tonight, if we've entertained you, informed you, made you think, then become a part of the grassroots movement supporting this station and go to the kpfk.org website and become a member for a scant $25. And just feel good. And also, while you're online at kpfk.org, why don't you run over to Facebook and like us, too? We're really trying to, like, get up there. Just take us over. Take us yeah. over the edge. The IMRU radio page, IMRU exactly. Radio. Because what's what's our uh, what's our slogan for this? The revolution costs money. It does. Is, or did I get the wrong slogan? Something like that. <laughs> anyway, the revolution costs, my friends. Well, that is it for tonight. Our thanks to IMRU's coordinating producer, Steve Pride, our director, Michelle Marie Gilkison, our board op, Federico Garcia, and our Rainbow Minute producers, Judd Proctor and Brian Burns. Find us online at imruradio.org and follow us on Facebook at IMRU Radio, where the link to the latest show is posted every Tuesday afternoon. We'll close tonight with a song from Peter Allen, co-written with Michael Callan that's become a gay anthem, Love Don't Need a Reason. Good Good night. night. Peace out. (laughs) (laughs) What a normal heart should do If you always play a part Instead of being Then you might just miss The one who's standing there So instead of passing by Show the someone that you care Instead of asking why Why me and why you Why not we too Cause love don't need a reason Love don't always rhyme And love is all we have For now What we don't have is time If you always believe All the madness that we're taught Never questioning the rules Then you're living lives You bought so long ago How are they to know It's not who's wrong or right It's just another way And it's not about a fight It's just I want to stay With you 
Bye.